Good morning. I'm excited to be here with you all today. You braved the rain and the storms. So here we are. Let's do this. Do we believe what we just sang? That the same power that raised Jesus from the grave, seated him at the right hand of the throne of God, that same power lives in us. If that is true, then we live much of our lives having no idea how good we have it. We have no idea how good we have it. I hope that this morning we get a sense of that and that we live in an awareness of just how good we have it. Um, I grew up with the same line that many of you grew up with. When I was a kid, my parents would tell me this, because I lived right across the street from my school and I just got up, I had to walk to school, but it was literally right across the street. But my dad would say, we had to walk through the snow. And through, you, you know the thing, right? Like, it was uphill both ways and packs of wolves on the way. We, that's how we got our lunch, we had to kill them. And back when we were kids, it was harder. And the kids these days, right? Kids these days. Let me just, here's a couple of things. And I, I, there, there's a little bit of an age gap for some of us here, but you can relate to some of this. Back when I was a kid, when you wanted to see a movie, you waited for the one summer kids movie to come out. You would go to the movie theater, um, wait for it to be released, you go to the movie theater, there was a flat floored theater, you squeeze a little envelope of popcorn and you had a little thimble of Coke, you had to hold it between your knees because there were no cup holders then. And you would sit there and you'd probably be sitting next to a chain smoker because smoking was allowed during that time. Later on when you wanted to see that movie, you had to wait a full year and you'd get it on VHS or Betamax. You paid $80 for it and you prayed that the tape didn't break every time you had to rewind it. Those were the days. Kids these days, they have no idea how good they have it. How about when you listen to music on the go? We didn't have iPods that clip on or... These little shuffles, no, we had a Walkman. It was as big as a brick. And you couldn't really go for a bike ride unless you had a nice big basket. And if you were a guy, that wasn't really cool. If you wanted a song off of an album, you had to like go to the music store where you'd buy the entire album. You had to wait till it was there. And, uh, or you'd wait on the radio and when the DJ would play the song, you'd try to hit it on your cassette tape. I know some of you are thinking, and you're going to come up after me and say, cassette tapes. I was around during 45s. I know. That's okay. When you wanted frozen yogurt, you just put Yoplait in the freezer. <laughs> when there was a prize in a cereal box, it was actually in the cereal, not encased in a protective plastic wrapper between the cereal and the cardboard. They mixed it right in with the food. Those were the days. I've got a couple more. When you needed information for a school report... Your mom would drive you to the station, in the station wagon, we had one, all my friends called it the SS Davis. You would look up the Dewey Decimal number in the card catalog and go find the funky smelling book. The whole process took hours. Now my kids say, can you ask Siri? <laughs> when you got a McDonald's Happy Meal, because no other restaurants at the time made kids meals, you would get a slider sized burger, six fries, eight cookies, five slugs of Coke, and a toy. They did not ask you what gender the toy was for when you bought it, and it was usually made of delicious lead-based toxins. 
And when you want to take a picture, clip a coupon, look up a word, or get directions, you broke out your camera, a pair of scissors, a dictionary, or a map, because there were no apps for that. Now, kids today, they have no idea how good they have it. I want us to understand, as ridiculous as all of that sounds, as all of that feels, we have no idea how good we have it, because the God that we worship, the God that we praise, He is saying, I have so much available. And so today is an invitation. I want to show you the way that I believe God is calling us in, and we're going to do it through a prayer of Paul. We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to go verses 15 to 23. Uh, in the Greek, this is actually one full sentence. It's, a, it's one big, long prayer. And it, it's a prayer. There's two prayers in Ephesians, and this one is that you may know there is a sense of enlightenment that we would have an understanding. The next prayer comes in chapter 3. We'll get to it eventually, a few years from now. And we will, uh, that, that prayer is a prayer of that, that you would become. But, but we need to know what it is before we can become what God is inviting us into. And so I, I just want to walk through this this morning. Um, this is God's heart for you. And that I, I want us to understand this morning um, that, that God is inviting us. We've been invited into relationship with a God who gives us every spiritual blessing. Now, I want you to see, uh, we're in chapter 1, but just before we hit verse 15, in verse 3 it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, it goes on, and in our passage, Paul is, is talking and he's saying, look, I, I'm excited and I love what's happening in Ephesus. And I think there's probably about a gap of five to six years since he's been there last. And so now he's writing and he's saying, I've heard a good report. Things are going well. You have every spiritual blessing and it's flourishing among you. And in verse 15, he says, For this reason too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all of the saints, do not cease to give thanks. Do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. I want us to understand that everything that we need in our life to succeed, to live a life following God, He has already given us that spiritual blessing. In 2 Peter verse 1, it says, By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him, the one who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. But the problem is that a lot of us, we don't live as if we have every spiritual blessing that we could possibly want. John Stott says it this way. He says, Some Christians, they seem to do little but pray for new spiritual blessings apparently oblivious of the fact that God has already blessed them in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Others lay such emphasis on the undoubted truth that everything is already theirs in Christ that they become complacent and appear to have no appetite to know or to experience their Christian privileges more deeply. And so for me, it, it falls on this line of Either we are totally ignorant and our prayer life becomes, God, would you just continue to bless me? Would you give me this blessing? And I believe that God is saying, I already have. Live into that. And so sometimes our ignorance 
even as longtime Christians, can seep into our prayer life and how we actually live. But on the other side, we might just have this assumption, I already have it. I'm free to live, to do whatever I want. And we can also live with a complacency and forgetting, again, the blessings that God has given us. And I believe that the healthy way to live our lives is that we live aware of the blessings that He has given, and then we receive God's invitation to live a life in the power of Jesus. Now, not only have we been invited to a relationship with God who gives us all of these blessings, but we have been invited to know God intimately. And I want you to see this. It says that the Lord God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. This word knowledge is epignosis. Now, there's, there's a couple of ways. Actually, there's a few different words that show up for knowledge, but um, there is gnosis and then there is epignosis. And uh, I, I saw a couple of things I was looking, but really what I want us to get is that God doesn't want us just to know facts about him like we know stats about baseball players. God is inviting us into an intimacy with him. And so you look, and there's some places, many places, where it's talking about that we would have knowledge of him, that we would know things about God that he would reveal, and he has revealed, but that we would also know him in a major way. And so some of these things, I like this, this concept, this idea of a metabolized doctrine. So we not just know doctrine and we know truth about God, but that we have ingested it. And now it is being worked out in our life. There's an intimacy. Uh, Lenski, he says, there may be a false gnosis, but never a false epignosis. The latter is true, clear, full knowledge that is personally embraced. Lightfoot says the compound epignosis is an advance upon gnosis, denoting a larger, more thorough knowledge. Hence, also epignosis is used especially of the knowledge of God and of Christ as being the perfection of knowledge. And so this intimacy that God is calling us into, Paul is saying for the people of Ephesus, you, there's some actions, there are things that are great. Your, your faith as well, your love for one another as well. But that you would know the God that you serve, he wants to be known by you intimately. And he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. And it's kind of a funny, interesting picture. It feels like a mixed metaphor that can bring confusion. But Jewish thought is you add more metaphors and it enhances the, the meaning and the importance. And so Paul is doing something that he's saying, I pray not only your heart, which is the center of your intellect and your will and your emotion, but that the eyes of your heart, that you would fully realize, that you would be enlightened so that you will know, and this is a different word, that you would factually know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? And so this is how we are to know God intimately. That we remember and we look. And if you think about this, that God wants us to know the hope of his calling. This is something that we look back, that we've been called, that we have been elected and he's known us from the beginning he says you are mine and so that calling in the past reflects and helps us to anticipate our future with hope but not only that that there's an inheritance now in verse 14 
it says that you were sealed in Him, that's actually 13, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance. See, our inheritance is the Spirit of God and, and we have riches even beyond that, but this passage is saying that God has an inheritance, that there is an inheritance for God in the future and that inheritance is us. That inheritance is us in the saints, the glory. What are the riches? The word riches shows up all throughout Ephesians, talking about that God has bought us at a price with His Son's blood. And because of that, there is a richness, there is a fullness, there is a cost to this. And so God's inheritance is the saints. That is something to look forward to. And then God wants us to know right now. So if we look at our calling in the past and our God's inheritance in the future, this time span in between is marked by the power of God at work in our lives. It's the surpassing greatness of His power. That is what is available to us. The same power. We'll get into this. But I want you to know, and I want you to just think about this. Like, do you live in such a way that you see God in the driver's seat? Do you live in such a way that you know that you're fully aware of the blessings that God has given you? Uh, Jeff Gordon is a race car driver, and uh, there was a little prank uh, that he played, and I want you just to see this, and we'll make some applications, so check out this quick video. More age on me, some wrinkles, a little dorky, maybe some facial hair, and somebody that I can pull off a fun prank with. <laughs> Let's go have some fun. My good friends at Pepsi Max have hooked us up with this cool can cam. So these are the glasses cam to show you everything that I see. How you doing? Hello. Hey, I'm Mike. Steve, nice to meet you, Mike. I saw you sort of gravitated towards the Camaro. Are you thinking about getting one? Oh, no, no, no. This is way too much car for me. I'm Well, it's a lot of power, but they designed it to be very safe. I don't know if I can handle it. I, I've never driven anything like this before. Well, I'll tell you what, I think a way to really make you feel comfortable would be to put you behind the wheel. You're good. <laughs> oh, yeah. What a car. Mm -hmm. Well, we better buckle up. Yeah, good call. Power. Power door locks. Standard, of course. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Nice and easy. Head on out whenever you're ready. Are you ready to go ahead and yeah. drive? Okay. Yeah, sure. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> Oh, you're an idiot! I'm gonna kill you! Oh! oh. 
You don't understand. It's not what you think. It's not what you think. No, it's just a prank. We're just having fun. Look, this is a camera. Here's a camera. There's cameras. Look, it was all just fun. Look, I'm Jeff Gordon. Sorry, man. Oh. Sorry. Let's do it again. Yeah, let's do it again. <laughs> oh. Can we just play it again? You don't want to hear me anymore. Let's do that. Make sure when you go to YouTube that later that you type the clean version because that man had some words to say that had to be edited out. Think about that though. You are in the passenger seat and you think, this is horrible. I am going to die. But you have Jeff Gordon at the wheel. Think about the times in your life where you think, I don't have it good at all. Everything is falling apart. And you forget who's in the driver's seat for you. You forget that God is navigating the course of your life and is in control of all things. We forget. But there's an invitation. That same God who's given us every spiritual blessing. That same God who wants to know us intimately. He's inviting us. I talked to a kid in children's ministries a couple of weeks ago. And he was struggling with his faith. It happens even for our kids. He said, I know God. I believe in God. I'm just not sure if I love him. Does that hit you a little bit? We've been doing this faith thing, many of us, for many years. I was marinated and I grew up in it. And so I know a lot, but do I have a relationship, that epignosis relationship where it's not just lots of great knowledge and pulling together Old Testament passages and prophecy with New Testament fulfillment, but do I know this God? And so this God, I want you to understand, has invited us. But I want to speak to this for a second. Our purpose statement at Calvary is that we as a community, that we are a church, that we want to connect with God and with others. And, and I want to transition us a little bit. We are focused and want to be focused on God, but toward the end of this passage, he's going to bring it into us, for us as a church. What does it look like for us as a church to be living this out and that we live this out together because we are supposed to be better together, but we have... We have trouble sometimes because we have distorted views of the church. The church is hard to understand at times. In fact, it's called a mystery. And so there are some pictures that the Bible gives us, but we have some distorted pictures of the church. And this is in your outline if you want to look at it. it. Some of us, we have a distorted picture of the church that the church is a gas station. If you just fill up your spiritual gas tank when you were running low... Feeling kind of low, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to get a good sermon, and I'll be good for a week. Let's go. We can also see the church as a movie theater. Entertainment. Especially when I'm here, it's really fun, huh? (laughs) Entertainment. An hour of escape. Semi-comfortable seats. Can walk in and leave the reality of my life behind. Sit in there for a couple hours and come out with a smile better than when I went in. Some of us, we see the church as a drugstore. You can fill the prescription that will deal with your pain. I'm hurting, and I just need some comfort. So the church becomes very therapeutic. 
And then the church, as a big box retailer, offers the best products in a clean and safe environment for you and your family. Great service, low price, one-stop shop. And we become very programmatic. And what do you have for my kids? And what do you have for families and for youth? And do we have a ministry to homeless people? Do we have everything? And so, what is that for you? My sense is that when we start to think of church in one of these four ways, that becomes about us. Very consumeristic. Some of you might be checking out the church here for the first time this morning, and you're trying to get one of these needs filled. And so one thing that we're doing here with this series in particular, Better Together, is that we want to be able to talk. And I believe that there is wisdom in the Spirit in us, and so we want to just talk for a couple minutes. I want to give you a couple of minutes, and I want you to talk about this question. It's easy. It's easy. It's not revealing. You don't have to bare your soul. But which distorted picture do you most closely describe, which describes how you tend to view the church? And I, I'm there, man. For me, I think that sometimes the church is a gas station, just fill me up, and sometimes I want to come and be entertained. That's where I sit. And what do you think is a better picture of what the church looks like? So just take a couple of minutes. It helps to stand up so you can find somebody around you, three or four people, and, and let's just talk about this for a couple of minutes, okay? One, two, three, go. All right, let's wrap it up. You're ignoring me. Come on. We've been invited into relationship with the God who gives us every spiritual blessing. We have been invited to know God intimately, but we have also been invited to live today in the power of God. That you can live today in the power of God. He says, this is his prayer, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his inheritance in the saints, the glory of his inheritance, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. We have been invited to live today in the power of God. And then Paul gives three things, three ways that we know these are assurances. These are, hey, let me demonstrate this to you, just how powerful, what you have at your fingertips. He says, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. These are in accordance with the working of his strength, of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion 
and that every name, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. I believe that when he's saying above all authority, above all power, above all dominion, even above the angels, Jewish thought back in the day was that the angels were kind of controlling some things that they had, they could speak into and, and control some of the circumstances of our life. And, and Paul is saying, no, no, God is above even that. And that power that raised Jesus from the dead and then seated him at the right hand of the throne of God, that power is available to you and me today for those of us who believe. That power. But not only that power, but it's the same power that made all things subject to Jesus in verse 22. And God and he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. What Adam lost in creation through his sin and disobedience, Jesus gained through his obedience. Adam and Eve in the very beginning were given dominion over all of creation and through sin they lost that. When Jesus came as the second Adam, he came and through his obedience and following the will of God, he was able to be the one who is in charge of all things, that God has put everything subject to him. And then he even says, over all things, he is the head over all things to the church. And the church, that is us, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That Jesus fills the church with himself, and he fills the church with blessing. Now, I want us to just think about this, that we've talked about some false pictures of the church, but there are some pretty poignant pictures that the Bible gives us on truly what we are supposed to be doing with Christ as our head. And, and we will talk about this later as we go through Ephesians, but I want you to understand that in this picture of Christ as the head and we are the body, that this is showing that there is a unity between us. That we have this unity and that God is doing something through us in the church. And so these true pictures of what church look like, one is we are called the bride. We are the bride and Jesus is the bridegroom. And what does that relationship look like? Tonight, actually, my dad and I are going to finish our series on the holy days. Uh, we're going to talk about the marriage supper of the Lamb. What did that look like 2,000 years ago, this Jewish wedding feast? And what is it that we have to look forward to in the day? So we're doing that tonight, 6 o'clock in Fireside, if you want to jump in. But that we are the bride and that we are to be waiting and we are to be living a life of holiness in his power because he is the bridegroom. The other picture is that we are a flock and if we are the flock, then he is the shepherd. All kinds of passages about this. But that we are supposed to be living in his power and under his watchful care. And that we as a church are the temple. And if we are the temple, then he is the cornerstone, he is the builder, and he is the foundation. But this is not something that is just separately lived out, that Jesus is doing his thing and we're doing our thing. That there is a unity and that there is a connection. And that God has placed Jesus as head of us as a body. And so for us, 
What does that look like for us? How do we live this out together? Getting to this idea that we are better together, that we have no idea how good we have it. Whatever the situation is that you came in this morning, whether you needed Calvary Church this morning to be your drugstore and you needed some kind of healing, and I understand that, I get that, that we have an invitation though that that God is inviting us into relationship with Him and that we have relationship with each other and that there is healing for us as a community, that there is healing for us as a church. But we have to change our picture from it being that this is about us. The truest picture of the church is that it is about Him and that He is energizing and that He is moving through this body. And I talk to so many people who say, I just don't want to be a burden. I don't want to bother. And so because of that, we tend to isolate ourselves. And we're not functioning as the body, how the body has been called. And I believe that that is what the enemy wants for us. He has a plan for us as well, right? That in our shame that we will not come out, that we will just hide and... and What we really need to be doing is find safe community. And this body, this community is what is supposed to be safe. And so we need to live in an honesty together. We need to remind one another of the blessings that we have been given. And that God has intimately called us. That he wants to be known by us. That there is pleasure for God when we are knowing him and loving him. That somehow our actions and our affect toward God brings him joy. That we can... We can... We can delight God's heart, that we have some kind of influence with God, that he takes joy in our obedience. He takes joy when we live in his power. But I think that the power that we think that he's given us is like, you know, help me to find a good parking spot or help me to pass this test or get through this operation. It's so much more. We have no idea how good we have it. But you know what I love is as we work with kids here at Calvary, they teach us. They say uh, that parenting is the beginning of our own spiritual formation. And uh, one of our kids, uh, Debbie Rowley, who leads our lower elementary ministry, gave us this story this week. Uh, Last Sunday, I'll just read what she said. On Sunday, we learned about Abraham, Father Abraham, Leaving Ur to follow God wherever he led, and at our opening activity, kids looked over a variety of items such as toilet paper, a bottle of water, granola bars, band-aids, a flashlight, and a blanket. They were told to choose from that selection just three items that they would want to take with them and write those three items down on their list. Some chose water, flashlight, and a blanket. Another chose water, granola bar, and band-aids. Many children expressed disappointment that they could choose only three items. However, one of our second grade girls showed wisdom beyond her years when she came up and said, you know, if we all traveled together, we'd have everything we need. So do we step into this? Do we live into this? And do we believe this? I think we believe it. I'm just not sure how well we are living it out. So let's be the church that God is calling us to be.
that Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus, that's our prayer for this body as well. I'm going to pray, and then Dave's going to come up, and we're going to take communion together. And we are going to do this as the body. Um, So will you join me right now? Lord God, would you be at work in us this morning that we would not just say it, but that we would truly believe that we are better together, that we are united to your son, the head, and that the power that is yours, that raised him from the dead, seated him at your right hand. That you put him in charge and all creation subject under him. God, that we would step into that power today. Remind us of the blessings you've given us. We give that to you in Jesus' name. Amen.